0: Join the meal because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the table. I am sitting at Home Plate Diner, I believe, in Hueytown, Alabama, and I'm with special guest today, Larry McNeil. Larry, welcome to yes, the table. Sir. Good to have you to the table today. Yes, sir. It's good to be here. You are here. You're kind of like third generation to this podcast because back last year, I had a conversation with Reverend Arthur L. Price, Jr., pastor of 16th Street Baptist Birmingham, and I asked him when I was finished, recommend someone to come to the table to share their story. He recommended Norman Askew. Norman's down on the other end of the table today, but Norman and I talked back in uh, July, June or July last year, and when I finished the conversation with Norman... Norman, I asked him the same question, I asked uh, Reverend Price, I said, do you recommend somebody that could come to the table? And he said, you need to call Larry McNeil, he gave me your telephone number. And so here you are, here, here's Norman, he's with us today, and you have uh, you have your wife sitting next yes. to you, LaSharan. So we're glad, did I get that right? And uh, we're glad that y'all are here today. Thank you for coming to the table, Larry. Well, we're glad to be here. Yeah. You chose the restaurant.
1: Um, what did you have today? I had uh, turkey and dressing. I had uh, butter beans and cabbage. Cabbage.
0: Yes. And and I had uh, the the squash croquette, which yes. my mom used to make that when I was growing up. Yes. And I had the squash and I had the fried okra and it was all
1: good. It was good. Yes, sir. It was good.
0: Now, I'm thinking you're you're a frequent patron here. Am I correct? I, I, I do, yes, sir. Okay. I am. All right. Well, thank you for recommending the place, and it was good food. And just thank you for sitting down with me. I uh, just am grateful to have you at the table. When you and I talked on the phone yesterday, when we set this up, you began to share your story with me. Yes. And I will just tell you in that... 15-minute conversation, I was getting excited about what you were sharing, because what, you, what you're what you going to share it happened 30 years ago, but you were telling it like it just happened last week. Yes. And so, man, tell me about your encounter with Jesus and what He's done for you, just to share a little bit about your journey thus far,
1: Larry. Yes. Well, to me, it's just like it was yesterday, because I'm still overwhelmed with the fact that God is, had mercy on me in a way, in the condition that I was in. Basically, I grew up uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, and at the age, I was from a family of six boys and six girls. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, there was, came a point in time in my past where I got in some trouble in high school. And my mother was trying to do the best she could with uh, with us having 12 and her and my daddy being separated. So anyway, she, uh, when I got in trouble at high school, they expelled me out of high school. And she, what she decided to do was to send me to Detroit, Michigan, with an older brother. Well, neither did I know when I, I can remember leaving home uh, that, on, a, on a, I don't rem- specifically remember what, I knew it was at night when I left home that I was going basically to Detroit City, a big city, which uh, I had never been, never left Birmingham, had never seen seen a city of that magnitude. But I can remember that as I was when I got to Detroit City, and I was so overwhelmed to see a city like that, as big as it was. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing when I got in the neighborhood that uh, that uh, I went in, I, I never saw. Uh, I, it was on the west side of Detroit, and it was a heavy drug area, infested with drug addicts, people addicted to drugs. I had never saw that. What year was this? This was 1970. 1970. Okay. 1970. I had never mm-hmm. saw that. And uh, when I, I so when I got there, my brother talked with me, oh. and he told me, and I was wondering when, what school that I was going to be going to, and he told me that basically, you're not going to school, that you're going to help me in my drug business. Well, so you thought you were going to to go to school. Right. You got That surprised. I was going to school. I got a surprise. Wow. And I never saw people that were basically drug that they were addicted to was heroin and cocaine. And they were basically uh, shooting it in, up in their arms, you know, uh, intravenously. And my brother told me that, that that's what I would be doing. And he showed me how I would be packaging it and helping him distribute it. And that's what I did. I did that until, uh, uh, for about five years, I stayed with him. Okay. And then the, eventually I left uh, Detroit and I went to New York. Uh, I got uh, I, I met my first wife in Detroit and we left Detroit and we went to uh, uh, New York City. Okay. And in the process of going there, well, I, we went to Syracuse, New York. And then from the, uh, from Syracuse, New York, we got involved in... And uh, a lifestyle that uh, just was far away from God. Got involved in prostitution and all of that. And uh, and so from there, I um, about 15 years. I stayed in that. And uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, uh, making that transition from that time from from Detroit to. New York and in the area when coming into Harlem, New York and at that time Harlem, New York was just filled with uh, most of the people, that, that's just the way they live. Right. It was just prostitution, drugs, you know, thievery, that's the kind of you know, life that we basically lived. Okay. We became a family of people that committed crimes of that magnitude, Okay. Uh, living that way. And it was in New York City that uh, I basically started looking back. I remember uh, one day in New York City. I, you know, uh, that uh, I had a, I had lived a life. I was uh, talking to myself in a sense. That I had so many accomplishments, of having things in this world because I lived a fast life. of having money, drugs. Women and all of that. And I can remember going to a a corner of Broadway and 149th Street. And I went to talking to myself. I said, You know, I've had just about everything a person could have, but there's something missing in my life. I do not have peace. Mm -hmm. And I did not know what it was, but I said to myself, I don't have peace and I need to find out what's missing in my life. Well, I stayed in that condition, going in and out, living a life of crime. My arrest record in New York. I might have had about 25 arrests in New York. Uh, arrested in, you know, in, in, in different times, getting in trouble here and there. And uh, that's just the way that I lived. Just was a slave to myself. And uh, I can remember uh, that uh, I got out of Rikers Island prison in New York. And I, I was living on a, on a Lenox Avenue at 132nd Street. It uh, was a hotel there. And, uh, I was interacting back and forth with my parents. And then uh, God had put it in my younger brother, who was a pastor, Mm -hmm. had put it into his heart to come to New York City and find me. Mm -hmm. Is he from Alabama? He's from Alabama. Okay. He got in the car. He told me that uh, he told my mother and he told my sister that he was coming to New York and find me. They God had put in their heart. Did he know where you were at he all? He didn't know. He knew wow. I was in. He knew I was in Harlem. Okay. But uh, she told him, said, "Well, I can't tell you, you. Don't have a stationary address." Gotcha. So he got in the car with his wife and children, and my niece was with them, and they drove to New York City. So when he got to New York City, when he was driving in, he remembered a guy, and Norman know the guy that goes and eat with us sometimes, but a guy by the name of Robert. He said, he prayed and asked God, said, God, can you lead me where Larry is? He said, when they got off the bridge at 125th Street, he said he saw Robert Elam standing on the corner.
0: My goodness.
1: And he said, he asked Robert, he said, have you seen Larry? Mm -hmm. And he said, Robert said, I can take you right to him. Mm -hmm. And say he drove Robert to where I was. He know where I was in the drug house. So the guys came out there and said, Larry, your brother out here to see you. I said, well, I had another brother uh, that that, that me and him lived in New York together. And I said, no. And I knew he was in prison in Ohio. And I said, no, what, what, what you mean my brother's out there? He said, your brother out there with his children and everything out there. And so all of them came out of the drug house. And he had his car packed with food and stuff, and he went to giving them food and stuff, you know, out of his car. And I got there and he said, uh, Larry, I come to, to take you back home with me. He said, He said, Huh, he, he, he told me, He said, Here's your $50. I know what you're going to do with it. And I said, Give me that $50. <laughs> and I went back in the drug house and said, When I come back out, then we'll talk. And so he told me that. Uh, Larry, I just come to offer you. You want to go <clears throat> to come pick you up and you take you take you back home with me. And I said, uh, I sit and I thought, well, New York was, you know, the way I lived. New York was the place you wanted to be as mm-hmm. a fast life. I never thought I'd come back to Alabama, mm-hmm. but God had got a hold of my heart. And I said, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm gonna go back with you. Wow! I got in the car with him. We drove back. Uh, uh, heading back toward Birmingham, but he had his family, and he, had, he was, Jim Baker had a place down there, in which he was a supporter of that uh, place Jim Baker had down there with the North Carolina B, uh, PTL. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the process, he stopped down there at PTL, and they had a revival meeting that night. And the visiting pastor that was there preaching that night was the guy by that uh, pastor Cathedral of the Cross. Okay. Dan Russell Valley, I remember. So when he was preaching, I was sitting up in the audience and he gave an invitation and I looked at my brother I said, uh, you know, I need to go down now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I walked out, aisle and I went down there and uh, Dan Russell Valley laid hands on me and prayed for me. Now, it didn't change me. But just the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I was going through the place, I believe, of brokenness. Mm-hmm. I came on back to Birmingham with him. And when I got back to Birmingham, I, at that time, my dad was had a, uh, was living there in, in Pratt City. And my dad had a marijuana house. Mm-hmm. So I started helping my dad there. And in the process, God spared my life in the process there. Because one night, some guys came in to... Uh, to rob us. And I got shot four times, left for dead. Mm -hmm. And God spared me through that. So I got out of the hospital. When I got out of the hospital there, all I knew, all I knew, I had never really worked. All the way, only thing I knew was a life of crime. Selling drugs. That's all I knew. I was a slave to it. And I started back and got a house. I was selling drugs at a house in Pratt City there and Inslee at that time. But in the process, I used to, while I was selling the drugs, a lot of times I would, I had a Bible there. And I would open the Bible and I would tell the story late at night that I would start the teaching out of the Bible to the guys in the house. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they tried to move, I'd have a gun and tell them, don't move, till I get through preaching. Yeah. <laughs> Wow.
0: <clears throat> I've never tried that approach, but I'm sure it's effective.
1: But I was just as lost. Yeah. I was just as lost. I would give them drugs for them to sit and listen to me. And I used to always read Romans 7 about the good you want to do and the good I want to do I don't do and the evil I don't want to do I do. And I thought that was me. Yeah. But this particular night. At that time, I had gotten so much trouble with the police. i tell you, I could not go. Uh, matter of fact, one of the police officers that, uh, and I feel sorry, I had a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I even tried to witness to him after I got saved that uh, this young man that got executed mm-hmm. uh, this past, last week. Uh, the officer Carlos Orange, okay. they called him Curly. He used to stay after me and I used to run from him every day. You know, manipulating myself from trying to get away from him. But at that time, I was just getting caught time after time, and so I had about seven uh, drug cases on me, felonies. Mm-hmm. And then, then a guy got an altercation where well, I didn't. I wasn't really, really, really trying to. I was just really trying to scare him. I shot down at his foot, but I actually shot him. So I had an assault on me, mm-hmm. and so I got all these cases on me. So I come in the house on a Friday night. And I fixed the drugs up and distributed to the guys who were working with me in the house. And uh, but I'm so depressed, and uh, I, I knew that my life was coming to a, to an end. I knew, first of all, I knew I wasn't gonna get out of prison. When I went to go to court on those charges, I knew I was gonna get life in prison. Mm-hmm. So that was bothering me. And uh, so I, I cut the drugs up on the table. And uh, and, uh, and and counted out how much money they supposed to have brought me back from the drugs. I happened to pick up that red King James Bible, and this time I turned it over. I turned it to the first chapter of Romans,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when I started reading Romans one, when I got to verse three, it says, verse three, uh, uh, Jesus verse two and three, uh, three and four. It says, that this Jesus Christ, descended of David, according to the flesh, son of God, with power, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that word in there, holiness, convicted me, the spirit of God convicted me that, and as, as I was reading it, I saw them stealing drugs from, off, from me off the table. And I said to them, I said, now I see you still stealing the drugs, these other guys in the house. I said, now I'm trying to take care of you, do everything I can for you, and you're still stealing drugs. And I said, you know what? Every one of y'all going to hell. And that night when I looked at that verse, God spoke to me and said, you the one going to hell. Mm. I it's kind of like the word of God said, you. It's you. Turn the table on. You turn the table on. And God gave me a change of mind. At that time... Uh, the way I was living I had so many demons operating through me mm-hmm. the Spirit of God came on me so strong The demons literally leaped up out of me and that time I had two pockets full of money I took the money and I threw it up in the air to the guys in the house I said y'all can have it. I left them out of the house. I was heading back toward my mama's street I tried my mama house. I had uh, uh, ounce of drugs in my pocket the Spirit of God convicted me to throw those drugs away. I threw them away, and when I got to my mama's living room, I was smoking drugs off the pipe, too. Mm-hmm. I got to my mama's living room, I stepped in there, and the Spirit of God was on me, so heavy, and, conv- and reminded me to get rid of the, the pipe. I went to the door, I threw the pipe as full as I could. I fell in that living room for that's the same area where I left when I was 17 years. I'm 39. Wow. I left, left going in and getting in the car with my uncle that that night mm-hmm. to go to to go on my journey of sin. The same point of contact, God brought me back in that living room, and I fell down. I was so overwhelmed, and I know the God granted me repentance. I wept. God showed me my sin, and I saw. Oh, I said, Oh Lord Jesus, just like go publicly in Luke eighteen. I said, Oh Lord Jesus, I'm so sinful. I'm so wicked, and I. I went to weeping and crying over my sin and i got up mm-hmm. that night mm-hmm. and i had the peace that i had been looking for wow. i had made wow. peace with god god had granted me repentance wow and i got got really truly got saved
0: what was that day what day was that that
1: was in that was in uh december and that was in i mean that was in october mm-hmm. but God, because I got saved that night, mm-hmm. but I wasn't around any Christians. Right. So God took me through a process. Everything was started being different to me. The devil, the demons, everywhere I went, because of the I didn't have any Christians around me. Yes, sir. But God had it already uh, worked out how He was going how He was going to deliver me. He threw the police, arresting me. What God did was allow me to, uh, first of all, he allowed me in in all actuality that day before I got delivered to go look at some of the, went in some of the churches. Mm -hmm. And when I went in uh, three or four different churches, God just showed me the condition that people were in in the church. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Lord, have mercy. I thought all these people in the church was all right. And the, but uh, at that time, the you know the Hebrews twelve said, "God disciplined every child he received." God used the police officers to uh, to uh, arrest me that day. And uh, when they arrested me that day, I went through a chastening of God. But when they threw me to the city jail in Birmingham City Jail, I could hear they, they as they threw me in there. I could hear the. Um, uh, the God says, uh, "Unbind Larry." Uh, I could hear. Uh, I, I cannot explain. Us uh, uh, divine intervention mm-hmm. says, "Unbind Larry and let him go." Said the Lord says, made me think about Ephesians uh, one. Said the Lord says, he don't need nobody to help him walk no longer. So they unbind me. They took me and they put me in a hole. In the holding cell, well, isolation. Mm -hmm. And when I came out of that holding cell, uh, the guard came to the door and said, Larry, you ready to get out of here now? I said, yes, sir. But I thought I was going home. But when I stepped out, that whole area was just lit up. Mm -hmm. Light that I'd never seen before. Just, just, it looked like the glory of God had that cell block lit up. Mm -hmm. And I said, ooh, look at this light. And the guard went to the other side of the prison, and he opened the door, and all I could see was the other prisoners that I, a lot of them I had sold drugs to, mm-hmm. and they were saying, "Hey, Larry, man, when you get over there," but they didn't know. But I heard the voice; they didn't, they couldn't hear what I heard. Right. And I heard a voice say to me, the softest voice you ever could hear, he called me by my name, said, "Larry," I said, "Yes, Lord." He said, "You see him, Larry?" I said, "Yes, Lord, I see him." And he said, you was in that condition. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, Lord. He said, now that's the labor you're gonna do for me. I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. So he shut the door. Then they took me out to the fingerprint room. And the amazing thing about that is that when the guard asked me to sign my fingerprint card, you know, I signed it Larry McNeil. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the lady said, he, he signed his fingerprint card, Larry McNeil but you, and I think this is just for for me, but you wrote him up as Larry Weave. He said, the God. Said, I know he signed it, Larry McNeil, but we're going to book him in Larry Williams. So, so to me, God let me know Larry McNeil don't exist no more. Right. You, well, you follow me? Yes, he had changed me. I, like I told you, it was like, it's like yesterday that, me, yeah. that that happened. And so when I got to the, I thought I actually was going crazy. All of this t- <laughs> I thought I really thought I actually was going crazy. So they, I remember they told me they they're gonna transfer me to the uh, uh, the uh, county jail. Mm-hmm. So they put me in a car with a policeman that used to always be after me trying to catch me. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the back seat. He handcuffs me, and uh, he take he's supposed to be transporting me to the county. So he looks back at me and says, "Oh, they got you again, they Delair." And I told him, I said, yeah, they got me again. I said, they won't get me no more. I said, I've been delivered by Jesus Christ. He put his foots on the brake. He turned the car back around. He said, get out of this car. <laughs> he said, get out. I said, what you made me get out? Get out. He takes me back in the receiving room. He said, they said, why are you bring him back here? He said, I ain't taking that crazy man nowhere. <laughs> Talking that Jesus Christ. Talk. <laughs> So he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't even transport me. So another officer that knew me said, i take Larry over there. He took me to the city, I mean to the county. So I'm in the county jail. Mm-hmm. So you got to remember now, I think I'm actually going crazy. Yes. Sir. I mean, I can't explain all of this. So they, they had somebody to come see me, the probation officer said, well, Larry, we're going to try to keep you from going to prison, we're gonna try to get you down to Taylor Heart Hospital, where you know Taylor Heart is for mental people that got mental problems. So uh, I said, well, you know, uh, know, whatever y'all decide to do, you know. But anyway, I'm waiting to see, uh, I'm supposed to be in the county jail, waiting to see a lady from uh, Hillcrest Hospital. She's gonna evaluate me, a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But God didn't let that happen because God knew I wasn't crazy. Look, so, <laughs> so I'm in the county jail, it's about seven in the morning. Courtrooms don't open at nine. Norman woke up there, he know that courtroom don't open at nine. So I'm laying in the bed and all of a sudden, the spirit of God said, get up. So I'm finna get these charges off of you. So I, you no, know, soon as he said that, the light came on in the cell and my feet hit the floor, and the guard says, Larry, says get ready, you go in court. So I get down in the courtroom. He walks me to the courtroom, don't put me in no handcuffs, and that's that's out, that's out normal. They walks me in the courtroom. I'm there in the courtroom. Nobody's in the courtroom but me, the stenographer, my lawyer, I had a lawyer by Lewis, uh, Lewis Wilkinson, God bless him, he, he passed now. Mm-hmm. But he was a lawyer where I lived, that we you used when you're living. He's pretty good if you're living a criminal life, help mm-hmm. you get out of jail. Lewis Wilkinson, the stenographer and the bailiff and the judge, the district attorney is not there. Mm-hmm. So the judge says to me, says, um, when I get before him, says, uh, it's seven in the morning. Seven in the morning. He asked me, he said Larry, did you shoot Dexter Brown? Normally, I, you know, I, out of my old nature, I would have lied. and wouldn't have never admitted to that. You know, I'd say, I ain't do it. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but I told the judge. I said, yes, y'all, I did it. I said I it. He said, you got a number of drug cases on you. I said, yes, sir. He told the bailiff, he said, go get all Larry drug cases. And so he went and got them. And I'm sitting there waiting. And he brought the judge to the judge, and the judge is looking at him, and I can see the judge in the position of God, mm-hmm. in a sense. And this is the word the judge said to me. He said, son, the judge called me, son. Son, they were just catching your time at the time, wasn't it?" I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I'm gonna give you 15 years for this uh, assault charge you got, for shooting that guy. Mm -hmm. And I just had shot him in the feet. He said, but I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you 15 years and you got seven drug charges as felonies, possessions. I'm going to give you 15 years on each one of those. He said, you're already on probation. We're going to forget about that other probation you were on. He said, I'm going to run these seven possession charges you got you got 15 years on each one of them I'm going to run it concurrently with the 15 years you're doing with the assault you're going to have one 15 year sentence Mm -hmm. so I'm sitting there I know that I got a deal and my lawyer pats me on the shoulder and say you okay now Larry and he walks off So when he walks off, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Psalm 139 said God is intimately acquainted with all our ways, and one of the things I feared was spending a long time in Mm prison. I really, I really feared that, and uh, and and, uh, but I knew what I was doing. I deserved Mm -hmm. deserved to go, but I just didn't know how to. I couldn't stop from doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So the judge looked at me, just stopped and looked at me, said, and I, I could hear the Holy Spirit, say, Larry, they gonna make you do five years or fifteen 50 year, and this is all I said. I said, Lord, that's a long time. And the judge stopped writing and stared at me like this. Looked at me for about a, about a minute. And he said, Larry, he says, um, did I split your last sentence? I said, yes, sir. And he said, I, I, he, 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 he picked up the phone. He called the district attorney. He said, I got Larry McNeil in my courtroom. He said, I've given him 15 years on this on all his charges. He said, but I just called to let you know I'm going to split his sentence for him. He said, Larry, you're going to serve one year. Mm. And the voice said to me, he said, Larry, you forgot to have me split it. But I didn't. Mm. And it makes me think about Romans 8. Who will bring a charge against to today? It is God who justifies. Who is it is, Christ Jesus, who died for us, rather was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God who interceded for me. She, I had an intercessor, I had a lawyer, that most of my crime was against myself. You know, because yeah. drug when you're using drugs, you're really just abusive to yourself. Yeah. And that's what God basically had mercy on me. And the judge said, now, if you come before me again, I'm going to give you life. And, you know, Alabama has a three-time mm-hmm. loser strike. But I knew when I went to that prison. I went there. God had some men from precepts ministry. Because he had gave me this great responsibility. Because you got to remember, he showed me those men in jail. Right. It's gotta gotta like he he gave me a calling. He gave me a calling. Yeah. Something that I couldn't go back for. I, even now, even now, it's still in my mind. I got to, I'm still have to be faithful to the Lord mm-hmm. even now even now yeah. he gave me an edge really yeah. i didn't see him as peter them yeah. you know they saw him yeah. but i had the same calling that they had. and so uh, in a way when i got to that prison god had a ministry there by the name of precept and they taught you how to study the bible and i started learning how to study the bible and since then since i i can remember coming out of that prison walking out of that prison I knew that I that I was a changed man mm. and since then I've made myself available I I started doing prison work God totally it, been putting my life back, back together piece by piece He's been putting myself, my life back together. I preached in Africa six times, Dominican Republic, leaving Peru, I've been, in, I just left my last trip to India and uh, I've been in the Ukraine, I've been there three times helping churches, helping orphanages, you know, just serving the Lord, whatever doors, opportunity God has given me, you know, so uh, that's my story. Wow, amen. Wow. as I hear you share. You know, several
0: things have come to my mind. First, when your brother came to New York City to find you. I once, there was a brother at Brother Brian Mission that I saw in Montgomery, Alabama, and I've prayed Lord help me find him and Lord I got off the exit found him just that quick and I was, I saw that as a huge God thing mm. well Montgomery's not that big mm. but I've been to New York City it's huge yeah. and for your brother to find you that quick that's a wow yeah. and that's a following up after you recognized and been praying I have no peace yeah. I want to find where peace right. is and your brother comes there brings you back to Alabama and then when I hear how on the very place where your journey began and oh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, in that, you know, God takes places in our lives where where the enemy hurt us. Right. Uh, and he redeems those places. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he allows us to step back in those very that very spot to see how he can turn things around. Yeah, oh, better. yeah. And then to hear what happened in the, in the courtroom. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just amazing. And then yeah. how God has used your sins.
1: Yes. Uh, yes, I would. To sit here and say that God didn't do that, it wouldn't be given to God. Glory takes all the glory for that. God did all of that. God, that was God's work of redemption in Larry McNeil's life. He did that. And I can take, I can take any credit for that. It was something that God, I'm just an object of God's mercy. I'm just a brand that's been plucked out of the fire. I have the the fact that even meeting Norman. In New York, I was meeting together, similar, the same thing, yeah. doing the same kind of work no yeah. there's it's it's, it's God? I needed some friends that I could identify with, mm-hmm. and Norman is one that we identified with because we came out of the same kind of lifestyle, mm-hmm. which, you know what I mean, which yes, is sir. very helpful, very supportive to me in, you know, in helping, uh, encouraging one mm-hmm. another, you know. If you had someone come to you now. And they,
0: let's say they, they hear your story, mm-hmm. and they are where you were when you cried out there in New York City. You're like, I don't have peace. Right. I don't have peace. If somebody came to you, if somebody came to you now and said, I don't have peace,
1: what are you gonna tell them? I would tell them the re- the peace that they are looking for. It can never be found in the world because me as an example. If a man could have peace in the world, I could have had. it. Mm-hmm. But the peace that they're looking for is only found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah 42 verse uh, 48 verse 20, uh, uh, Isaiah 48 verse 22, there shall be no peace with the wicked, says my God. Mm-hmm. And you cannot find peace in wickedness. And I was a wicked man, but I found peace. By accepting God's peace, child, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. And the peace that they're looking for, they're trying to buy it. God gives it. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He's given for us. And that's where they can find peace in.
0: Yeah. Man, it's been a good conversation. I could sit here, we could carry this on all afternoon because yes. I just see God's handiwork in your yeah. life and what He's done. And I just want to thank you for being willing to come. And once again, you, as you've shared, you've, you've shared your testimony all around the world. Oh, yeah. uh, but to share, you know, for those who are listening into this podcast or who may find this podcast, uh, I just want to thank you for being here. I want to thank Norman for recommending you. And uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. I look forward to continuing this friendship. Yes, As sir. I told Norman, I said, there may be future podcasts where we come back together and talk about, you know, continue to talk exactly. about what God has done. Yes. But we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little different. We'll, talk, we'll share different portions of our story. Yes, sir. Uh, I I love the opportunity God grants us to step into other people's stories yes and just if we're paying attention yes he'll lead us to uh, those who need to hear our story but also those that we need to hear their story exactly yeah, sir. yes well Larry man thank you for coming to
1: the table and thank you for allowing me to share with you and I pray that God will use this to help somebody yes sir to let them know that there's nobody without hope because I was a hopeless man I just looked back and realized that I couldn't make anything work but God can make it work yeah yes, yes.
0: Well, those of you listening in, thank you for being with us again. You know every Monday morning right here at this place, wherever you're tuned in today, we release a brand-new podcast, 7 a.m. every Monday morning. You can hear it on Spotify, iTunes, um, and a lot of different places, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. but You can check it out every, every Monday morning, 7 a.m. You hear the words, Party of Redemption. Your table is now available. And until next week, folks, we'll see you then. Thank you again. Amen. Bye bye. All right, Deborah.